What is grace? Grace is community. Grace is passion. Grace is for everyone. We are wrapping up our series today on lessons on family from the book of Genesis in the Bible. We started with making the right sacrifices by not missing what is right in front of you. Too often God has something for us and we just miss it. When the test of life comes our way, we want to be ready to be faithful and love others even when things are tough. Last week we looked at Jacob and Esau who were twins that had a lot of hatred toward each other. After several years though, they learned to do right toward one another, which reminds us of the general rules of our church. Do no harm, do all the good you can, and stay in love with God. That's the life those twin brothers teach us to lead. And now finally we come to our last family story in Genesis. Noel is going to read for us. Takes up about a third of the book of Genesis and is quite well known. It's the story of Joseph and his brothers. It starts in Genesis chapter 37 and is famous because of one technicolor dream coat. Uh, Joseph is given a beautiful coat by his father, has dreams of his eventual authority over even his older brothers, and is making them all very angry with it. It all comes to a head when Joseph, as a 17-year-old, is sent by his father Jacob, also known as Israel, to go and find his brothers taking care of the sheep. This is the book of Genesis, chapter 37, verses 12 through 36. Hear now the word of the Lord. Now his brothers went to pasture their father's flock near Sechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Sechem? Come, I will send you to them. He answered, Here I am. So he said to him, Go now, see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock, and bring word back to me. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron. He came to Sechem, and a man found him wandering in the fields. The man asked, asked him, What are you seeking? I'm seeking my brothers, he said. Tell me, please, where are they pasturing the flock? The man said, they have gone away, for I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. They saw him from a distance, and before he came near them, they conspired to kill him. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we shall say that a wild animal has devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard it, he delivered him out of their hands, saying, Let us not take his life, Reuben said to them. Shed no blood. Throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but lay no hand on him, that he might rescue him out of their, their hand, and restore him to his father. So Joseph came to his brothers. They stripped him of his robe, the long robe with the sleeves that he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. Then they sat down to eat. Looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead, with their camels carrying gum, balm, and resin on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, what profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, 
let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him, for he is our brother of our own flesh. And his brothers agreed. When some Midianite traders passed by, they drew Joseph up, lifting him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the pit and saw jo Joseph was not in the pit, he tore his clothes. He returned to his brothers and said, the boy is gone and I, where can I turn? Then they took Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat and dipped the robe in blood. They had, a, they had the long robe with sleeves taken to their father and they said, this we have found. See now whether it is your son's robe or not. He recognized it and said, it is my son's robe. A wild animal has devoured him. Joseph is without doubt torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his garments and put sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son for many days. All his sons and all his daughters sought to comfort him. But he refused to be comforted and said, no, I shall go down to Sheol to my son, mourning him. Thus his father bewailed him. Meanwhile, the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of his guard. And from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, verses 2 through 4, six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, make us an inclusive community passionately following Jesus Christ. Help us to learn the lesson you have for us and for our families today. Make us wise as followers of Christ. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Several weeks ago, my boys had a day off from school, and my wife was off from work, so the whole family decided to do something fun together. We ended up heading to the Paradox Museum in the American Dream Mall. If you haven't been there before, it's filled with all kinds of illusions and tricks of the eye. Uh, my son almost perfectly pulled off floating away on a balloon in one of the many illusions they have at the museum. Uh, then there's the diner uh, with my wife standing on the table and Davy hanging from the ceiling. If you look really closely, you can see Hal's head popping up from the counter too. Uh, the photo, of course, is rotated, so it looks like they are doing things that are physically impossible. Uh, these illusions were fun to look at and, and ponder over. You might be familiar with some of the classic images. You can ask yourself if something is a duck or a rabbit, uh, or is this a young woman or a much older one. All kinds of things in life can look one way and actually be another. Have you ever met someone that you just felt wasn't being honest, though? 
Now, there was a man who had a role in a movie with Robert De Niro and Billy Crystal who moved to a small town in upstate New York. Everyone knew him as the famous guy who was in that movie, and his name was Richard. Everyone thought he was great because he would walk into the diner and say, my name is Richard, and I'm buying everybody breakfast. He wore dark clothes and walked into every room like a conquering hero. At one point, he told people he was going to make a movie in that little town. He told everyone there to come and audition for parts in his movie, and practically everybody showed up for it. Soon the shooting began with big character actors and cameras and guys on walkie-talkies, but it didn't take long for things to start to fall apart. Richard stopped showing up on the set, and the checks he wrote to the crew started bouncing. After a few months, the movie featuring this little town was played in a local theater, with the whole town there to see it. Turns out the movie was only 15 minutes long, though. It was terrible, and no one from town who was given a role in the movie even showed up in the film. People were outraged. They had been deceived by a smooth-talking bit-part actor. It's like the music man swindling the whole town with big dreams of what could be. It's painful to be deceived like that. And though big lies like that still happen, what can be even more painful is the personal deceptions. When one friend lies to another or a family member tricks you. We often think of the many clues that can give away someone who is lying or deceiving you. If someone is darting their eyes all over, trying to avoid eye contact, we think that's a clue to lying. Or maybe they do the exact opposite. People who make eye contact for a weirdly long amount of time might be trying to overcompensate for the lie they know they are telling. And instead of looking away, just keep staring at you. Darting eyes and rapidly blinking eyes are thought to be signs of deception. But really, most people are pretty bad at telling when someone is deceiving them. Most people can't detect lies any better than chance. The worst part of lies and, and deception, then, is that you often have no idea. They happen when you least expect it because you trust someone, and that person takes advantage of you. The families we've been looking at in the book of Genesis certainly know something about this. Last week we heard about Isaac and how his son Jacob stole a portion of his inheritance from his brother. We just glossed over this, but later Jacob also stole his brother uh, Esau's blessing. Jacob took a goat skin and put it on his arm. His father was so blind, and apparently his brother was so hairy, that that was enough to trick his father into believing Jacob was his brother Esau and get the blessing. But here's the really brutally painful part of the story. After Jacob makes things right with his brother years later, then Jacob's own children start acting just like he did all those years before. The brothers are angry at Joseph because of his dreams and his dad's favor. And when his dad sends him miles away to check in on his brothers, they strike. They initially want to kill him, but are convinced by Reuben to put him in a dried well, which was just as good as a prison. When one of the brothers, Judah, sees an opportunity to make some money off of selling him to a caravan, he convinces them to do it. And now, though, they have to figure out how to cover up their lies. They end up taking 
goat's blood and putting it all over their brother's coat. I wonder how much their eyes were darting around as they told their father this lie. But do you see it? Goat's skin is used to deceive one generation, and then goat's blood for the next. It's like the family is cursed. They cannot get away from these lying and deceiving ways. How awful it is to work throughout your life to be a better person, to improve yourself and learn from your mistakes, only to see your children making the exact same mistakes you did. It actually takes many years before Jacob is aware of this deception by his sons. He is torn apart by his son's death, and yet no one tells him the truth. It actually takes a famine before the truth comes out. Joseph manages to go from a slave to second in command in this new country, Egypt. He is put in charge of all the food in the land because of his vision of a coming famine. And when the famine does come, Egypt is the only country prepared for it. All the other countries, including Joseph's family, are in desperate need. Joseph's brothers come to Egypt because it's the only place with food. And Joseph meets them. But the brothers don't recognize him. It's been 20 years, and the moment is filled with tension. Weird things keep happening to the brothers, and they think they are going to be found guilty for theft. They are worried this Egyptian, who they don't know is their own brother, will throw them in jail or kill them. Instead, Joseph sends them back home to get their youngest brother, Benjamin, who is Joseph's only full-blooded brother. When they return with Benjamin, the same weird things happen, and now Benjamin is in trouble. They are worried not only for Benjamin, but also for Judah, who made a promise to his father that he would watch over his brother Benjamin, and if anything were to happen to him, it would be his responsibility. When the moment of truth comes, Joseph seems to be angling to get his youngest brother Benjamin to stay behind. Usually we think of Joseph as the real hero of the story, making everything right as bad things happen to him. Benjamin, you'll remember, had nothing to do with Joseph being sold into slavery. Joseph is not trying to reconcile with his brothers, his older brothers. He's just trying to rescue his full brother who did nothing wrong to him. As things line up just the way that Joseph wants it, Judah stands up for his brother Benjamin and says that he cannot leave Benjamin behind. Judah will take the place of his brother. Judah, we see, has changed. He heartlessly sold Joseph to the caravan. But now he will sell himself to save his brother Benjamin. Joseph is overcome with emotion, and he won't just rescue one brother. He's going to rescue all of them. It wasn't Joseph who had been wronged that made a change. It was Judah. Judah would go on to be known as the lead heir. The word Jews comes from Judah. Jesus would be born to the tribe of Judah and is known as the Lion of Judah. The story of families in Genesis is not about people who have it all together. It's not about people who rise above difficult circumstances like Joseph. It's about people who change, who grow 
who have hope because God is still at work in people's lives. You might be so frustrated with a child that doesn't behave the way you taught them to or just doesn't care about other people. Maybe it's your own parent. or They may not show you the love you've always needed. I have a situation where I was offering pastoral care recently, and I've seen this time and time again. A child is caring for an aging parent, and the parent struggles with physical problems or or memory issues, it can be so easy to get frustrated with a situation like that. So easy to give up on someone and take the easy way out. But boy, what an example for all of us when a child says, Mom, Dad, I'm giving my time. I'm going to stay patient with you despite these health issues or memory issues. I've learned, I've grown, and I'm giving my all for you. Looking to another person, demanding that they are the ones who who have to change, that is not the way forward. The dream that we all carry with us is not that everyone else changes to cater to us. It's that we, like Judah, will one day change to be righteous, to be worthy not of our brothers or sisters, but worthy of God. Will you give your life for another? You know that Jesus did that. Jesus didn't tell the world how great he was to convince them to follow him. No, he gave his life away for all of us. The dream was to live a righteous life without God-like powers of transfiguration to show all of humanity it could be done. We can change, truly change. To not just be better, but to be selfless, living for others, living to see God's dream for this world become a reality. That's what's so stunning to me about Jesus' transfiguration on the mount. It's not that he is transfigured to glory for a moment. It's all the other time that he is not like that. Jesus is showing us There is a way we can be changed to like Judah and like Jesus. There's a story of a group of young boys who were running away from home. They stole a boat and with just a little food and water, headed out to sea to find a new life. When they were on the open water, though, they got lost and were adrift on the water for eight days. Finally, they landed on a deserted island. They were stranded for 15 months. After all this time, a captain from a passing boat happened to look toward this deserted island. The captain, Peter, noticed a burning patch of ground. He knew it was strange for a fire to be burning on an uninhabited island, so he took his crew in to investigate. As they pulled in, first one and then five more boys rushed into the water, shouting that they were stranded and had lived off the land for more than a year. Most stories end there with a dramatic rescue. But that's not the real story. The real story is that when the captain returned the boys to their home, they were immediately arrested for stealing a boat. Peter took pity on them and paid the $200 fine. Then he quit his job and stayed with these boys. He started a fishing business and hired all of them to be his crew. 
he mentored and helped them the rest of his life. One of the boys said of Captain Peter Warner, he was like a father to me. What a blessing. Can you believe in others like Captain Peter Warner did? Can you believe in the dream of changed hearts and lives? It doesn't happen in an instant or because we really, really want it to. Change happens in others when we look beyond the lies and deceptions and put our trust in the Lord. Let God work in them, and in time you'll see that you too have changed. You'll be like Judah, rescuing a brother or sister in need, making past wrongs right. That's what the Lord calls each of us to, to enlarge our definition of family, to see all those we meet as brothers and sisters, and not to judge them based on who they are right now or what they are saying right now, but to offer a grace to let people grow and flourish, to become more each day through trials and tests, the very people God calls them to be. May it be so in your life that you are a sibling to those in need and a dreamer to inspire all you meet. Amen? Amen. For everything happening at Grace, check out our website at gumc.org.